You're listening to Everyday Evidence, presented by the American Occupational Therapy Association, helping the occupational therapy practitioner apply evidence to practice. Here's your host, Matt Brandenburg. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Glenn Gillen. Glenn is a professor and the program director at Columbia University's Programs in Occupational Therapy, the vice chair of rehabilitation and regenerative medicine, and the assistant dean of the College of Physicians and Surgeons, all at Columbia University in New York, New York. Glenn, you've authored more than 100 publications, including textbooks, chapters, and peer-reviewed research. You delivered the Eleanor Clark Slagle Lecture at the 2013 uh, annual conference, serve on editorial boards for physical medicine and rehabilitation journals, continue to lecture at the local, state, and national levels, and have received just about every honor that AOTA can award to members of the OT community. So I want to give you a big thank you for joining us and taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you for that lovely introduction, actually. I appreciate it. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Um, Glenn, you really do have a wealth of experience and expertise. Today, we want to focus specifically on the Choosing Wisely initiative that you Mm -hmm. champion. Um, and a summer series webinar that you moderated uh, about Choosing Wisely. It's called Choosing Wisely, Five New Things Patients and Providers Should Question. Um, Before we dive into it and uh, go over some questions, I just wanted to mention that the information we'll be covering on Choosing Wisely and the webinar is awesome and a really unique perspective talking just with you. But we also want to encourage all our listeners to look up the webinar on AOTA.org to access the full recording for more in-depth descriptions and applications of the initiative. But to start off, Glenn, can you provide a quick background of what this initiative and its purpose is? I think if I had to summarize it, Matt, or is it Matthew or Matt? I'm sorry. Uh, Either works. Typically, Matt is fine. Okay, Matt. It's really to promote evidence-based practice in occupational therapy which has been my whole career, actually, in terms of any lecture I did, any writing I did, my Slagle lecture, um, and to make sure that um, what we're doing in the clinic is, A, what we say that we do, which is occupation, and B, that our interventions and assessments are are supported by evidence, I will say I've been in the field for over 30 years, and that was actually hard to do in the beginning because there wasn't a lot of research in terms of what we do. But now we have an overwhelming, <clears throat> excuse me, um, amount of research um, that we can draw from. And I signed on to be the Choosing YC champion to try to use this as a platform to make sure that this is happening in clinics, academic settings, research settings, et cetera. And I love that. And I want to ask what kind of has led evidence-based practice and these sort of initiatives and, and focuses of your, your career to become so special to you and so much of an emphasis for what you do? So what has led it, is that what you said, um, is frustration. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah that's my answer um my frustration made me write my first textbook in terms of what i was taught and what i was being seen 
and I was taught in the 80s in a very good program. <clears throat> um, and what I was seeing being done in the clinic, there were polar opposites. And I just couldn't find good resources in OT. Well, let me just, that's probably too global, actually. Um, my, my specialty has always been neurorehabilitation and stroke rehabilitation. And every resource that I found was related to other disciplines and nothing helpful to OT. So that's how I got my fire going, actually. That's, that's awesome. And, and pretty motivating too. I, I think uh, it's pretty easy for young practitioners and students. Um, I know myself, uh, sometimes we can kind of feel scared to be frustrated if we, we notice a gap or something like that. But uh, you've provided a great example of using frustration to motivate you to, to fill the gap and to progress our field as, as a whole. So. I'll, and I'll be very honest. Um, 1996, I remember it. I can't remember where the conference was, AOTA. I'm thinking it was in Indianapolis, but I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know. But whatever, doesn't matter. I was in the uh, exhibit hall looking for resources. I was a medium clinician, you know, not brand new, but not seasoned. And every book was from physical therapy or speech therapy or physiatry. And I was like, what are we doing here? And I literally on the plane got a piece of paper out and a pen and started to write um, a table of contents for an OT book. And then I approached Mosby, which is now Elsevier. And I said, look, I have this idea for a book. And they said, have you ever written a book? I said, no, never. They said, when was the idea? I'm like, last night when I was on the plane. And then I wrote the book and now it's in its sixth edition. So it worked out. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. That book all started on that plane ride. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I was literally talking to C partners. I'm like, uh -huh. what do you think of this title? What do you think of this? What do you think? Of this? You know, they're all OTs and they're like, oh, that's, that's terrible. Scratch that. It was hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's great it's a, it's a great example of uh of choosing to to make things better instead of being choosing wisely bitter. yeah you were you've been choosing wisely your whole career i've been choosing wisely <laughs> since 1996 i i think <laughs> awesome awesome and glenn i would say that most uh occupational therapy practitioners would want to provide care that meets the goals of choosing wisely uh which are to be supported by evidence not duplicative of other services be free from harm and be truly necessary um how does this choosing wisely initiative help practitioners to accomplish these goals mm -hmm. that's a great question um for years, we've been telling practitioners what they should be doing, including my writing and, you know, research articles by colleagues and whatnot. It doesn't seem to work for everybody. It does work for a large part of our community, but there is still a segment of our, our community of OT practitioners that does either I don't know, Matt, maybe they don't have access to it or they don't care or whatever the case is. But choosing wisely is a different approach. Instead of saying what you should be doing, it says what you should not be doing, which is a very 
different approach than we've ever done in OT. Talk to us more uh, about that approach. Why are these recommendations given in the kind of negative? In the negative, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually not our decision, but I really appreciate it. Actually, it comes any if you go on the Choosing Wisey website, which everybody should, because if you're having any type of medical intervention procedure, it is written in terms of what should not be doing. And more importantly, what you should be questioning as a recipient of care. So if your OT says, we're going to do this, the question is, well, why are we doing this? What's, what's the rationale here? So it empowers recipients of care to be partners in care, which goes back to our whole focus of client-centered practice, actually. So I do see it as an empowerment issue. And a lot of people were turned off by the language of do not do this, but that's choosing wisely's framework. Um, it's, it's not, just, there's over 80 professions that are represented, represented, sorry, on the Choosing Wisely website. And our charge is to write it in terms of the, do not words or question either one of those. And I think actually it's a more powerful statement to say AOTA is not supporting this intervention or this assessment. We're saying don't do it. Okay. I, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me now, um, especially knowing that Choosing Wisely is part of a more kind of global initiative and campaign um, and yeah, it's, it's international. It's all over the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, how does AOTA arrive at the specific choosing wisely recommendations for the field of occupational therapy? Good question. They actually don't. What they do is they empower the membership. AOTA and myself, although people don't always believe me, we did not arrive at the do not statements. Now we have 10. It's always come from the the membership, and it's done through a series of surveys, and our most successful survey was over 4,000 members, which is stunning for for any survey, actually, Um, but you could tell people were really passionate, and all the recommendations came from the memberships, not from AOTA board not from AOTA staff, not from me. It came from the membership, which is amazing to me. That is amazing. And having 4,000 practitioners and narrowing all of their input and responses to a survey down to, to five and then an additional five, making 10 recommendations. Yeah, so it, it was first five because that was the charge is five from Choosing Wisely. And then when it was time to, Choosing Wisely is a, it's a living project so that we can change things and delete things. We said, what about the next five? And they said, you know what? You had a huge survey. Just keep going down the list and survey again. And no, we didn't survey again. We just went down the list actually. Uh, Cause we had so much member input, which was such a grassroots um, position, which was amazing. That is, that is awesome. Um, 
Three. So now we have 10, Matt. We have 10 now. 10 now. And they came out with the, the first five. And the second five all can be found on choosingwisely.org. So we, mm-hmm. we encourage everybody to look through there. Uh, do you want to review what the, the first five recommendations are really quickly? And then maybe we can dive into more detail on these uh, new, more recent uh, second sure. five. Sure. Let me put, put my glasses on. So I'm not going to read the rationale. I'm just going to read the recommendation. Is that okay? Because okay? we'll be here all day. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first one, which has always we always talked about in our Choosing Wisely meetings, um, the whole staff about what rises to the top, like what are clinicians most concerned about? The number one has always been this one, excuse me. So we made it number one, don't provide intervention activities that are non-purposeful examples, cones, pegs, shoulder arcs, and arm bike. And then we have a rationale and then we have a series of evidence that supports that. So that was the first one that we released. The second one was don't provide sensory-based interventions to individual children or youth without documented assessment results of difficulty processing or integrating sensory information. So making sure that their intervention plan was individualized to the child for youth. Number three, don't use physical agent modalities without providing purposeful and occupation-based intervention activities. That's right from our practice um, guidelines, actually. Uh, Number four, don't use pulleys for individuals with the hemiplegic shoulder. No, not since the 80s, actually, but whatever um and number (laughs) number five don't provide cognitive based interventions examples paper and pencil tasks tabletop tasks cognitive software without direct application to occupational performance so those were the first five that the membership chose as their biggest concerns i guess you can say in the field I love the way that the campaign is organized and that it gives the recommendation a rationale, dives deeper into showing evidence that that supports the recommendation, and then also some, I guess, tips or, or recommendations on how to apply this in, in a daily practice setting. Right. So if you go to the AOTA, so we were concerned that we kept saying don't, 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 but if you go to the AOTA website related to choosing wisely and evidence, evidence-based practice, we did a series of OT practice articles on, well, now what do you do? You know, now what can I do as a practitioner from not doing A, what can I do for B, C, D, E? And we figured that out pretty quickly. And we also gotten multiple suggestions from the membership in terms of how they implemented and what they did. My favorite one is actually Wet Wednesdays, Wet W-E-T Wednesdays, which everybody on the rehab unit gets groomed and showered and shaved and cleaned up for the week. And I was like, that is a beautiful occupation-based intervention. 
Absolutely. That sounds awesome that they were able to kind of apply that within their whole unit, their whole organization. Uh, kind there's, of make, make Matt, there's been felt. several people. There's Functional Fridays from uh, Cody LaRue, who I guess he's a supervisor. He throws all the cones and the pegs and the arcs out, and it's all about function. So my dream is how about functional year, not Fridays, you know? <laughs> It's a, it's a good start, and he's doing a great job, actually. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I really think that gets at the the purpose of what these recommendations are is kind of like a, a foundation upon which practitioners can use their own creativity and, and clinical experience and expertise to to come up with applications um, and and apply their clinical reasoning to to fulfill this initiative and, and make a greater impact in the people they work with. I totally agree with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Glenn, five additional recommendations to the ones. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are so, what are these new ones? Okay, so we just added five more. Not we. The membership added five more. Actually, don't initiate number six. Don't initiate occupational therapy interventions without completion of the client's occupational profile and setting collaborative goals. So that goes back to client-centered practice and our OT practice framework in terms of the profile is first. Seven, this one is fascinating to me, but important. Don't provide intervention for autistic persons. There's a reason we said it that way, by the way, to reduce or eliminate, quote, restricted and repetitive patterns of behavior, activities, or interest without evaluating and understanding the meaning of the behavior to the person as well as the person and environmental environmental factors. So this came up in our webinar. We always use people first language on a person with stroke, person with autism. The autistic community does not believe in that so their language is autistic persons so that's why we use that in number seven number eight this is out of my wheelhouse actually but i'm just going to read it don't use reflex integration programs for individuals with delayed primary motor reflexes without a clear link to occupational outcomes number nine (laughs) dear to my heart (laughs) don't use slings for individuals with a hemiplegic arm that places the arm in a flexor pattern for extended periods of time and then our 10th and last for this round don't provide ambulation or gait training interventions that do not directly link to functional mobility and that's the 10th Awesome. And th- those are the current 10 Choosing Wiley recommendations. Um, many clinical experts were involved in the webinar and gave further background for each recommendation, along with Correct. tips and suggestions for their application. Yeah, and that was because I was leading it, but some of these are not my clinical expertise. So we brought in amazing people, actually, to um, give their input. Absolutely. And another reminder to our listeners to to search for that recording in the AOTA store. I, um, yeah, I believe it's there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you mentioned already, Glenn, that that number nine is is near and dear to your heart, um, and and is in your your wheelhouse. Um, can we dive a little bit more into that recommendation? Could you give us a, a deeper look into um, kind of its background? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that platform. Um, you know, slings have been controversial since 1980 um, in terms of do slings actually do anything that's helpful? Do they hurt? Do they blah, blah, blah? Do they hurt? Do they help? Do they reduce pain? Do they reduce subluxation? They do not reduce subluxation. Let's just be clear on that. I am on the fence, but I know for a fact that if we use a sling that puts the arm against your belly in a flexor pattern, so internal rotation, elbow flexion, it's only going to do harm unless it's for a really short period, like toileting. That's that you don't want that arm dangling. But beyond that, I'm not sure if they help or hinder but I know that slings that put you in a flexor position for our recommendation is extended periods of time hurt. They cause internal rotator contractures, which is the highest correlation to pain. They cause edema from non-use. They don't allow the arm to be integrated. So if you're gonna use a sling, I think you can use a regular pout sling, a flexor sling. If it's for like, I don't know, I'm making, I'm making up a number, less than 15 minutes. But I go to facilities and I see patients wheeling around in a sling and I don't know how long it's been on. There are also slings, and I'm not gonna give names because I'm not doing product placement, that allow your arm, <clears throat> excuse me, to be at your side that gives you a clear gait pattern for reciprocal arm sprints, um, swing, allows you to do things like turn on a, a light switch to allow you to carry something. Those slings may or may not help in the long run, but I don't, they don't hurt. So I would encourage people to look at slings that allow the arm <clears throat> to be in a vertical position awesome thank, thank you so much and you know what why we have you here let, i want to pick your brain for a moment how else would you recommend a practitioner can work with a client to really protect a, a hemiplegic arm and shoulder um pretty easy actually one is if you're concerned about the subluxation or pain but the pain is many times from the sling not from the stroke, teaching people to use pockets as a shoulder support, putting a messenger bag or a, yeah, a messenger bag over their shoulder and resting on it is um, fine. Using pillows at rest and in bed. So the only time we have to be concerned about slings is ambulation. So it really depends on how much the person is ambulating. Nobody should ever be in a sling in a seated or supine position ever, 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 ever. Okay. That that's a, a big takeaway. I'm glad I'm glad you highlighted that for sure. As you see I, how I care about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And 
I mean, you're definitely a, an authority on on working with this population and and these types of deficits. I I can tell from the way you talk about this recommendation and the way the others are presented, all the recommendations have very clear clinical implications. Mm-hmm. As a as a student and and now a new practitioner, I sometimes have thought how nice it would be to just have a list of things to do and a list of things not to do. Um, but our line of work is a little more complicated than that. But I want to ask you how you recommend a practitioner begin to um, digest and apply the recommendations of choosing wisely to their practice while maintaining a holistic, strength-based, and client-centered approach? Mm. That's a great question. But I do believe the choosing wisely recommendations supports a strength-based, occupation-based approach. I think it's harder for students, actually, who are in settings that um i'm sorry but my voice i don't know what's going on with it actually but anyway that's okay um, it's it's allergy season yeah it is that are in facilities that don't use occupation-based approaches and i never want to put a student in a position to like be the only change agent but i do believe students and new practitioners as your question is related to implementing occupation-based practice. I think it's really two things. Practice what you preach. So show by doing what you're what you think is. And two is like particularly for students or new graduates, you always have the opportunity to do an in-service. Choosing wisely is an outstanding in-service to do. If you go on the AOTA website, you will see that there are, oh my God, I'm losing it. How much longer are we going? I can't talk anymore. I'm I'm not kidding you. Um, (laughs) There are multiple resources in terms of how to do an in-service. I think that would be really helpful for students and new graduates. But to me, modeling by practice is the best behavior that we can do. I love that. I love that. Practicing what you preach, modeling, and potentially doing a, an in-service or another um, introduction. And, and, and the good thing about like for a student, mm-hmm. the in-service isn't like my opinion. I'm like, this is AOTA stance. We have supported these member recommend, recommendations. So it's not like the student saying, this is what I think. I'm like, no, this is what we're doing now. I love that. I love that. I think especially in a student perspective, it's easy to feel inferior in terms of experience and knowledge when when in a new setting. Uh, but really, you have all of it. AOTA behind you um, if you're if you're giving an in-service or presentation on on choosing wisely. Um, so Correct. And I'm sure they're going to be in-servicing people that are not members of AOTA. Mm-hmm. None of them are listening to this webcast, but it might empower them. So it's like, oh, let me check this out, you know, and maybe I should become a member. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Glenn, are there any additional recommendations to the modeling and, and in-service and, and practicing these recommendations that could be used to influence policies and, and widespread practice within an organization? I'm not sure about policy. That's that's not my <clears throat> area, 
But I will say from a clinical position, our clinics need to mimic what we say we do. So if they're filled with non, let's say recommendation number one, let's go back to that. Um, filled with cones and pegs and rainbow arcs and shoulder arcs and uh, fill in the blanks. We're never going to get there. If our clinics are full with dollar store objects, play store, hardware stores, supermarkets, our clinics should look and have objects that are natural to our environments not to some rehab catalog that is thinking that these tools are important and they're not, they're not. And I love that. That's such a, an OT centric recommendation. The environment but, should, you know, should match. But Matt, you know, like list, yeah. an arm bike, which is fine. I get that for like a cardiac patient or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're like $800. I can go to my dollar hardware store and fill an OT clinic, flashlights, screws, tools, toys, whatever the case is. That's what we find in our house. So when when I was interviewed for the first round of choosing wisely, I said, have an occupation fair. Everybody has stuff in their house, clothing, cans of whatever that's never used, toys, and fill the clinic with functional objects. Then the clinicians have choice. If all they have is pegs and cones and rainbow arcs and whatever the case is, that's all they're going to use. And it just kills me that after 32 years, that's what I still see in the clinic. Well, thank you for sharing that recommendation. Hopefully, uh, uh, some of our listeners are inspired and uh, making some trips to the dollar store and 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 filling those clinics with uh, with these more occupational, um, applicable and focused items. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, shifting now to to more the education uh, side of of our field, mm-hmm. Glenn. How would you how would you recommend educators incorporate the choosing wisely recommendations into curriculum? Mm-hmm. Students need to be aware first of all, so it's worth a lecture to talk about what not to do. But Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think any educator. Well, let me just think what I'm going to say. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm going to say that <clears throat> their teaching should reflect the current AOTA recommendations. What are, so what I was distracted by was, I don't think an educator would say, oh, have a child with sensory processing and just have them come to the clinic and swing and balance board and whatever. I think every educator that I know would say you need to assess what the problem is. The problem is, I don't think it's education programs, and I could be Pollyanna because I'm now an educator, but I think it's what happens in the clinic is the problem. I've had students come back and say, oh, we put every child through the same obstacle course and the same swing and the same, I'm like, 
well, why, why, why are you doing that? That's what we do. So I would just say for educators, be aware and incorporate it and make it part of your practice, education practice, I should say. I love that. I love that. And hopefully by so doing um, the clinics and, and practices where uh, the recommendations maybe aren't being, being applied can adapt and, and change moving forward. Um, I think so. Yeah. Glenn, could, could you share an example or maybe a personal story of how you or someone, you know, used the choosing wisely recommendations to achieve a positive outcome? Um, I won't say it's me because I'm kind of, that's not my role right now, but I know that I have heard from fieldwork educators uh, across the country that send the choosing wisely, well, this was the first five actually, not, you know, the, the second five are new. So that send the, the first five recommendations to all their fieldwork supervisors and saying, this is what we're focusing on to get, give them awareness because a lot of those supervisors are not AOT members and might not be aware of it actually. But I think that's an amazing way to get the, to get the word out in terms of this is what we're looking for. Yeah, I, I love that. And that, that also takes a little of the pressure off of uh, students as well. If the um, organization directly is kind of sending, sharing the campaign and, and sharing it with, uh, with the supervisors. Um, that sounds like a, a wonderful approach. Um, what, what can practitioners do to, to be a part of choosing wisely? I think for money, money, it should be to be change agents. Um, to really show people what we're doing that's different than what we did before. To be a model, choosing wisely practitioner, actually, and um, move on from there. I love it. I love it. What, Glenn, what is a choosing wisely champion? And, and how does someone oh. receive this recognition? Okay, so that, good question. Um, thank you. I forgot about that. Um, this is a relatively new award from AOTA. It is awarded at the AOTA <clears throat> conference. Um, it's, some, it's a person or people or group who nominate themselves or other people that have championed the Choosing Wisely philosophy and integrated it. And we've given out, well, I think this year will be the second award that we're giving out, actually, which we just chose recently. Um, but it's practitioner or practitioners, plural, who have exemplified the goals of choosing wisely. And not just the 10 recommendations, but like you said earlier, um, do no harm. Um, make sure it's evidence-based, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a, a link to those um, nominations can be found on, on AOTA.org as well. Um, I'm yeah, big... I think right right now the awards are closed for this year, but okay. the year, next year we're ready to go. 
There we go. There we go. That's perfect. And and again, we want to encourage all the listeners to to look more into choosing wisely. Uh, I'm a big search bar guy on the AOTA website. And if you just type choosing wisely in, um, all these resources will pop up. If you're looking specifically for the webinar, um, that's in the AOTA store. Um, are there any other uh, resources or links or anything that you'd like to recommend to listeners who want to learn more about the Choosing Wisely campaign? Um, well, definitely go to the, besides AOTA, which is great, but go to the Choosing Wisely website yourself um, in terms of finding information. Perfect. Thank you. And that's choosingwisely.org. Um, Correct. Correct. Glenn, I only have one more question for you now. This is okay. what we call the golden nugget segment on the show. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, nervous now. No, good. Hey, that just means you want something good to happen, right? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, Glenn, if you could tell practitioners to do one thing, what would it be? Mm, yeah, I know that answer, actually. Ask your client or your fa- or the families, if they can't answer, what's important to them, what they want to do, need to do, or have to do to get home. I love that. I love that. So impactful and 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 simple at the same time. Um, can you expound on on how that can lead to to better services being delivered? Well, I think it will increase our clients' satisfaction with our services, actually. That's my whole thing. Like, I don't, I'm so sick of hearing people like, what did you know to today? Well, I played with um, blocks. I'm like, oh my God, you're 70. Really? Did you, you really played with blocks today? I think it will give them the knowledge of what we do and the motivation to continue with us actually. I love that. I love that Glenn. Thank you so much for sharing your, your golden nugget and, and your expertise and, and um, thoughts on the show today. It's been a a pleasure having you on. Okay. Well um, everybody go choose wisely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll try and get our our streak up and and choose wisely as long as you have Glenn since 1996. Okay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Thanks for listening to Everyday Evidence. Tune in next time for more evidence-based practice insights and applications. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.